You're listening to the Hippie Haven Podcast. I'm Callie, and it's my life mission to empower you with the knowledge and tools you need to spark positive change in your community. If you're new here, I'm the owner of Bestowed Essentials and Hippie Haven. I started Bestowed Essentials just over three years ago, and today our handmade, eco-friendly personal care and cleaning products can be found on the shelves of over 200 stores across the U.S. and Canada. Bestowed Essentials is one of the 15 winners of the Stacy's Rise Project Class of 2020, and we are also recognized by FedEx as one of their top 100 small businesses in the U.S. for two years in a row. In December 2019, my team and I opened Hippie Haven, a zero-waste store and community space in Rapid City, South Dakota. Of course, I also host this Hippie Haven podcast, and we release new episodes every Wednesday, which you can get instantly downloaded to your phone for easy listening by subscribing to the Hippie Haven podcast on any of the major podcasting apps. You can find the show notes and transcript for every episode on hippiehavenpodcast.com. You can also learn more about me on our website. You can follow along on Instagram at hippiehavenshop or subscribe to our YouTube channel to see more behind the scenes at both of our Earth Conscious companies. Today's episode is brought to you by The Futon Shop. The Futon Shop is a California family-owned company. They've been handcrafting natural and organic futon mattresses, bed mattresses, pillows, and soup covers since 1976. All of their handcrafted organic futons and mattresses are made with 100% certified GOLS, GOTS, and USDA certified fibers, and they come with a 30-night comfort guarantee. Visit hippiehavenpodcast.com forward slash the futon shop to find your new mattress today. My guest today is Christian Shaw. He's an adventurer and storyteller, discovering a path to make an impact in the world. His studies at Cornell University were focused on sustainability and business. While he was there, he and two classmates began the formation of their 501c3 nonprofit, Plastic Tides. Shaw is a teacher by nature and is passionate about sharing his skills and knowledge while inspiring others to join the movement for a healthier planet. Plastic Tides connects with youth all over the world and provides them the tools and platform to amplify their voices. In addition to their focus on the next generation, Plastic Tides works with outdoor brands to tell their stories in the context of plastic pollution and sustainability. Today we're talking about our impact on the planet, plastic pollution, how youth can step up to protect the environment, and more. So let's get started. What is Plastic Tides, and how did you start this organization? At Plastic Tides, our mission is to inspire and catalyze action toward a plastic-free future through adventure, education, and youth empowerment. Our story goes back to the fall of 2012. I was studying at Cornell University in upstate New York, and attended a National Geographic Young Explorers grant workshop. Uh, They were traveling around to a few different universities promoting uh, applications for their Young Explorers grant program. And I had the opportunity to pitch an idea to a group during our workshop. And the idea was to actually go out and kiteboard across the middle of the Pacific garbage patch. And I had just recently been learning about the global plastic pollution issue and the, the you know, 
large amounts of plastic really concentrating in these different areas of our ocean through the work of five gyres and my oceanography class and was also at that point really interested in taking my studies and combining my passion for sustainability, conservation, the outdoors, and water sports and adventure, uh, you know, into some sort of career path. I knew I didn't want to be going into, you know, uh, analyst job or one of the sort of more standard typical jobs that a lot of my schoolmates were going to be heading towards. And so that idea was really well received in that workshop, got a, a lot of really good feedback and also ran into a couple friends there and we started talking right away and uh, pretty quickly we realized that uh, that was not a feasible project for a few reasons uh, most primarily being that the great pacific garbage patch is not something that you could actually see from the air like a big garbage dump so you know we were thinking okay we're going to go out there and kiteboard across this thing get aerial footage and show people this huge issue but in reality you could be sailing through it and not even know unless you actually got off your boat jumped in there and you know were able to see this stratified plastic smog out there in the ocean and so what started as a, a kind of a crazy project was eventually distilled down to a 10-day self-support stand-up paddleboard expedition around the island of bermuda which is not in the Caribbean. It's actually pretty much straight out from the Outer Banks, North Carolina, in the Atlantic Ocean, and is located very close to the center of the North Atlantic Gyre, and has a lot of incoming plastic pollution. So it's a really good place to study the effects of plastic pollution in the ocean, and you know how they interact with the coastline, um, particularly when you don't have a lot of plastic coming from. Uh, the island itself. Uh, the beaches are really clean and uh, generally speaking most of the plastic that you find around Bermuda is coming from somewhere else. It's uh, not endemic. And so we spent 10 days paddling around the island uh, researching plastics with a trawl that we had built to pull behind our paddle boards and sample the surface water. And we built that in collaboration with the Plastic Ocean Project out of Wilmington, North Carolina and sent them our samples and we were also taking microplastic samples for uh, adventure scientists and their global microplastics project and you can actually go on their map on their website and see the results of those samples and samples from expeditions we've done all over the world with them uh, and so we completed that trip and uh, we were able to speak with students at a dozen different schools around Bermuda uh, directly afterwards and that just really solidified our passion for youth empowerment and and you know set us on our on our path to where we are now you mentioned was it kiteboarding what is that yeah kiteboarding so uh, kiteboarding or kite surfing is a really fun sport similar to windsurfing except you're using a kite which is anywhere from say four square meters to 14 square meters so you know fairly large and it's about 20 meters away from you so 60 feet away from you and you control it with uh, you know lines and a control bar and you can ride any sort of board from a wakeboard style board to a surfboard to a hydrofoil so i do a lot of kiteboarding here and kite surfing here in santa cruz i'm really into riding waves so i 
I've been surfing since I was really young as well and have combined the two and that's where I have the most fun. And I actually ride for Airrush, which is a really cool company, uh, part of the Starboard Group, which is uh, a company that's doing a ton on the sustainability front in the water sports space, really leading the charge with uh, planting mangroves, carbon offsets, you know, different eco-friendly building technologies and and really helping to bring conservation and environmental awareness into the mainstream. Interesting. So it sounds like your life really revolves around the ocean in, in every aspect then. Yes, it does. It does, actually. Uh, uh, we, um, My partner, Celine, and I, we live in an RV, and oh. we, we have a lagoon right across the street from us, and I can actually run across the street, throw my paddleboard in the lagoon, paddle through the lagoon, through a tunnel under a road, and uh, then carry it maybe 50 feet to the ocean and go, you know, paddle down to a bunch of the different surf waves here in Santa Cruz. So, yeah, our life really definitely revolves around the ocean and the ocean almost every day. And uh, so it keeps us energized and inspired. So Plastic Tides has a, a youth leadership program. How does that work and how can our listeners get involved in that? Absolutely. Uh, it's our global youth mentorship program. And, you know, I think it's actually something that that really resonates with the overall mission of the Hippie Haven podcast and community in terms of uh, community action. And so what we've learned through the years working with students is that young people in middle or high school have a ton of potential, ton of inspiration. However, it can be really challenging to take on a project and see it through to completion. And so what we've done is set up this structure where we connect, you know, these middle and high school students who have an interest in completing a project that's going to impact plastic pollution or climate change upstream in their school or community. And so these things could be, for instance, addressing single-use plastics in the cafeteria and finding a sustainable alternative to single-use plastic utensils and implementing that or testing the water coming out of the drinking fountains so that students can trust that water source and potentially upgrading that hydration infrastructure to include you know water bottle fillers if they don't have them or making sure that all the students have access to refillable water bottles and that that culture is something that is adopted throughout the school and you know helping to also you know work with students to not only make those changes, but bring the entire student body on board so that they become part of the positive culture of the community. And uh, we have a number of project models that our students and mentors can work off of, uh, or students also have their own you know, unique ideas. So it's a combination, but we've set up a framework where a student can come to us and they can work with their mentor to examine their specific scenario and decide what type of project they think would fit best. And then we have a number of resources and a support system behind those students. And so, you know, from the agency and sort of motivation that comes with having the backing of Plastic Tides as a brand down to the support of their individual mentor on a weekly basis. So the mentors can be anyone you don't need to have 
a specialized scientific background or education background, the most important thing is that you are someone who wants to commit five to 10 hours a week for a year working with students to you know, help them complete these projects. And so that allows our mentors to work with four to five students you know, really successfully and makes the program really scalable as well. So we are on our way to enrolling 20 mentors and 100 youth leaders for the 2021 school year. But, you know, once we really get things buttoned down this year, the sky's the limit as far as I'm concerned. Over the years, uh, since starting Plastic Tides, what are some of the biggest projects that you're, you're most proud of accomplishing? So our first expedition was around Bermuda. And uh, we got some experience with the trawl that we use behind our paddle boards. And when we came home from that trip, we didn't necessarily know that Plastic Tides was going to become what it is now. We weren't a 501c3. We were working under fiscal sponsorship from another organization, the Plastic Ocean Project. And initially, it was just a one-off project that we hoped would lead to other opportunities. And we garnered a lot of support. We were very well received in Bermuda. We got some you know, larger corporate sponsors like Cliff Bar and Backpackers Pantry, Badger Bomb, Goal Zero, you know, some in the water sports industry and that kind of thing. And we got back to upstate New York and said, you know, what's next? And the issue of plastic microbeads had just come onto our radar. Are you familiar with the, the microbead issue? Yes. Yeah, that's a serious problem. Yeah, yeah, and it was. It was a very serious problem. And so, you know, we we started learning about the plastic microbeads and the work that had been done by Five Gyres and the Great Lakes Plastic Pollution Research Lab on Lake Erie and Lake Ontario, essentially identifying these, these plastic particles in their concentrations as something that was coming from uh, you know, body care, skin care, face wash, shampoo products, and it immediately struck us as as just illogical, really, that companies would create something that was intended to go down the drain, and with the full knowledge that uh, sewage treatment plants, water treatment plants wouldn't necessarily be able to extract these things uh, from you know the water supply, and so. We had a feeling that there were microbeads just based off of, you know, intuition of, you know, the way that the product was being distributed in our in our backyard. Uh, so Ithaca, New York, which is where Cornell University is, is at the bottom, the south end of Cayuga Lake, which is one of the Finger Lakes, really long, skinny, deep glacial lakes in upstate New York. And uh, the lakes also connect to the Erie Canal system, which eventually leads to the Hudson River, which will bring you to Albany. And so we decided that we were going to set out on this expedition from our backyard, Ithaca, and paddle 240 miles to the state capital. And along the way, we were going to use a trawl, which we had then refined for the purpose of discovering microbeads to take these samples along the way and carry our message to the state government to you know work towards towards banning uh, this activity and so 
that trip was really successful. We ended up garnering a lot of media attention and we worked with the Great Lakes Plastic Pollution Research Lab, Dr. Sam Mason. We spent a very long week in her lab doing the microscopy, well, processing the samples and doing the microscopy under her guidance and definitively proved the existence of plastic microbeads in Cayuga Lake and a number of other waterways along the Erie Canal system. And we, we distributed those findings and that was really the launching point for Plastic Tides as an organization where we are now. Uh, it's when we, you know, 1% for the Planet, Plastic Pollution Coalition, you know, a lot of these networks and, and uh, different organizations started reaching out to us and PR opportunities and all that sort of thing. And so I would, I would say that that was, you know, even now, uh, one of our greatest accomplishments and the that ended up growing and uh, we can't take really much credit for this but ended up growing into a coalition of organizations and municipalities that uh, started banning microbeads in this patchwork throughout new york state and a number of other states which eventually led to statewide bans countywide bans and the national uh, Microbead Free Waters Act, which was signed by President Obama in December of 2015. And so that journey started for us in 2014 in November. We have a documentary about that trip, and that's a whole other story. We were out there uh, in really beautiful late fall weather and got hit by a polar vortex and uh, suffered from hypothermia and had some pretty pretty intense uh, situation out there uh, wow. that, that year. But... Uh, but we returned the following year uh, to actually complete the trip because we hit impassable ice the first year. And and that was when, you know, a lot of the momentum was behind the legislation and and uh, as everything sort of came together. So. And what's the was, name of that documentary? It's called The Canal. Okay. Is that available on your website or where can people go to watch that? So if you Google it, Plastic Tides, The Canal, and I can send you a link to the trailer as well for the documentary. Uh, the documentary is on VHX. And so you can uh, either buy it or rent it. Very cool. All right, we'll put that in the show notes too, for sure. Since the pandemic has started, it's it's become even more difficult. It seems like to avoid plastic, it, it feels like it's just, it's everywhere right now. And it's it's um, just kind of part of, of this chapter of what's going on. What are some tips that you have to avoid plastic during the pandemic and, and quarantine? Um, I think it's going to be really challenging in a lot of ways to retrain our habits coming out of the pandemic because so many areas where people are used to bringing their own bag or their own cup or whatever it is, they're not able to. Uh, however, the way that I like to frame sort of every my everyday guidance, I guess, as a consumer is the idea of, of voting with your dollars because as individuals, we only get to participate in the democratic process every so often. And to be honest, I think we all understand that there's a lot of forces at play that we don't really have much say over as well uh, in that regard. And so being able to just vote with your dollars in that every day you're spending money 
and what you spend that money on is basically your vote for the kind of future that you want to live in because we live in free market economy and consumer choice drives innovation it drives production and yeah we we necess- we can't necessarily spend all of our money where we want to and it's important to also recognize that and accept that but to just think of that power that we have is there before we wrap up is there anything else in particular that you want our listeners to know about plastic tides anything that you've got coming up any exciting projects that you've got coming up in the future for one anyone who is interested in becoming a mentor in our global youth mentorship program please reach out to us we're still enrolling mentors uh, for this upcoming year and also anyone who's in the paddling space out there uh, keep your eyes open Uh, in august we're going to be launching a virtual global expedition called the global rising tide relay where we'll be spending one year raising funds for our global youth mentorship program and uh, working together as a global paddling community to get our our paddlers uh, around the world uh, paddling 25,000 miles and raising $100,000 for youth empowerment. Where can our listeners go to learn more about Plastic Tides and to support the work that you're doing? PlasticTides.org. And you can follow us at Plastic Tides across social media. And that's a wrap. Now it's time to take action. If you're new to a low-waste lifestyle, start simple. Make small changes where you can. Try minimizing your usage of plastic water bottles and plastic shopping bags. And for further impact, replace your everyday items with more sustainable options as needed. Always use what you have first but then do research to see if there are simple swaps for those plastic items in your daily routine. If you need non-toxic and plastic-free products, be sure to check out our website, support our small business, hippiehavenshop.com. I'll be back next week with an episode on using your hormone cycle as a framework for a more productive life. Remember, knowledge is power, so if you learned something from today's episode, share it with someone you know who'd also benefit from this free resource. If you share the podcast on social media, don't forget to tag and follow us at Hippie Haven Shop, or my personal Instagram is at hippie.ceo. This podcast is produced with the help of my communications coordinator, Ray Lynn, who also helps produce our Hippie Haven YouTube channel. Subscribe to us on YouTube to see more behind the scenes at our zero waste company. You can also support our environmental advocacy work here at Hippie Haven by leaving a review for this podcast in whichever app you're using to listen, or buy us a virtual cup of coffee to keep us going. Visit buymeacoffee.com forward slash Hippie Haven to support our work. Thank you so much for spending this time with me, and I hope you have a great rest of your day.